Hello, thanks for tuning in and welcome to this week's Not The Top 20 podcast, Monday pod. Now, were things normal, this would have probably been a Tuesday pod because there's meant to be Easter Monday football in the EFL, but we thought we'd uh, keep going with the Mondays in keeping with our, our usual scheduling. I'm Ali Maxwell with me, at George Ellick. Hello, George. How are you doing? Hello, Ali. Yeah, I'm fine, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent. Uh, I really enjoyed the weekend quiz, the fourth one of those that we've done. I especially enjoyed our Instagram live stream on, on Sunday night <laughs> in which we spoke about crisps and dip, which is a subject very close to my heart. Yeah, although you just told me uh, off air that for lunch today you had an apple and a packet of crisps. So I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I ever trust your crisp combination ever again. One of little, my little kind of apple wedges on top of a sweet chili sensation sounds not very nice. One of my five a day in the apple and some good carbs in the crisps. Um, mm. No, yeah, I was actually thrilled that a couple of the listeners who tuned in to the uh, to the live stream put forward a, a couple of crisp and dip combos that I'd never even considered. So hopefully that's something to sort of work through over the next few weeks and months. Um, this week's podcast is a bit of bank holiday monday fun um i've been wanting to do this for a while i love uh, american sports one of the coolest things about the american sports scene is the draft of course uh, anything to do with drafts or mock drafts or fantasy drafts i'm just bang into so um i've got you on the end of the phone and today we are going to draft a team each from the championship um the idea being that we will then go head to head first sort of verbally we will compare our teams and see who has done the draft process correctly but also there is potential for me to sort this out on fm20 and that could be quite a fun thing to uh, to live stream or to show some highlights of down the line so um it should be really good fun before we get going george uh, obviously it's quite a serious situation in general at the moment with the coronavirus but also as it pertains to football we've got a big show planned for next monday um, but for this week, there's an article on The Athletic that we want to point people towards if they're looking for an update on how the EFL is, is well, is struggling really with this current situation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, rival plans, wage fears and player poaching EFL clubs fight for their futures. Um, this was written by a collection of some of the finest football writers in the country who all come under the Athletic's uh, umbrella of football writers. Phil Hay, Adam Craft and Stuart James, Matt Slater. Simon Hughes and Laurie Whitwell all wrote this uh, together. And it's, I guess, kind of the first look back over what's happened so far with regards to coronavirus and the impact it's going to have in the future um, to the EFL. And there are some bullet points early on that kind of, I guess, sum up what the article is about. Serious concerns about the survival of individual teams, fears that advanced payments from the EFL and Premier League will lead to financial shortfalls. Clubs in League One and League Two now leading towards the option of ending the season now. Uh, complaints about lack of insight from the government and owners braced for a depressed transfer market and a significant drop in the value of, of their players. Um, the piece is contextualised by uh, Andy Holt as much as at the moment within the EFL uh, and him talking about the, you know, the, the basically the need for a replacement of the funds which are not going to be forthcoming for football clubs at the moment. So, you know, it's it's important for Ali and I to uh, combine, I guess, the coverage of the corona situation whilst also making sure that there's a genuine football podcast to listen to. Um, so for anyone who feels like they haven't been kept abreast or up to date, uh, next week in audio form, we should be able to cover you. But in the meantime, there's nowhere better to go than The Athletic and this article in order to 
just sum up at the moment what the situation is and how it's going to maybe look in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, tons of quotes from uh, from many people involved as well. And as you say, uh, a great gaggle of writers who helped to put that one together. If you want to check out the piece, head to The Athletic. That's a website. That's an app. It's got a brilliant selection of football writing and American sports as well. Uh, plenty of podcasts, including the Going Up, Going Down podcast that we do for them. And if you haven't listened to our interview with Connor Howrahan from last week, I would point you in that direction as well. If you don't have a, a subscription to The Athletic, then you can get one uh, very easily, very quickly, and with a 50% discount if you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash nttwentypod if you sign up on that site there you'll get 50% off your annual subscription and there is so much on there I spent a lot of my weekend reading Mundial Mag and a lot of my weekend catching up on various athletic pieces which I had uh, queued up so we would point you in that direction and as George mentioned we're going to be doing a a more serious podcast next Monday so um, that might be your thing you might be looking for some light-hearted stuff that's what we're trying to sort of um, create a mix of at the moment so this one a little bit more light-hearted you can tell I've got a smile on my face because I cannot <laughs> wait to get cracking. I'm feeling confident, um, but there is a pool of exceptional players in the championship and George and I are going to draft our top teams. So we're going head-to-head, drafting, uh, just going to run through some rules and notes, uh, each drafting a team from the pool of players in the championship. Uh, we'll, we will debate why our team is best and why we picked certain players. Um, we will hold off League One and League Two and we'll do that on a different podcast so long as this one goes down well, so long as you guys enjoy this this trope, this format. Um, another important note, this is not our team of the season for 2019-20 and it should not be conflated. Clearly there'll be players who have had a very, very good season who might be in our team of the season when that comes out and uh, you can stay tuned for that. But this is basically for a one-off match. Uh, so in theory, if, if Messi was in the championship but he'd been injured for most of the campaign, you'd still pick him even if he wasn't in the, even if he wouldn't be in the team of the season. You can pick your players in any order. It doesn't have to be specific to various positions, any order at all. And we are going to use the ABBA system. So we're going to play rock, paper, scissors to see who picks first. And then it will be two picks each until we have a complete 11. The big questions before we start, will George choose Shandon Baptiste? Will I choose Patrick <coughs> Bamford? Is there space for England's greatest ever goal scorer, Wayne Rooney? Find out in the NTT20 pod championship draft. George, we're going to play rock, paper, scissors. We've also got the video chat lined up so we can see each other, but we're also going to go one, two, three, and then we're going to say out loud our choice as well. This is to see who gets first pick. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, paper. Paper. Well, we both... <laughs> We both did rock. <laughs> that is ridiculous. We both forgot. We couldn't do a, a um, hand symbol and say anything at the same time. But we both did rock and we both said paper. That is unbelievable. I didn't even notice until you said it either. That's a farcical way of, of, of working out. Someone should put us on TV because that doesn't <laughs> podcast doesn't do it justice. <laughs> okay, let's do that again. To be clear, I'm taking whatever I say, not whatever so, you see my so hand doing. Okay, because do. <laughs> clearly yeah. there's a disconnect there. Right, we have to go again. Okay, ready? One, two, three, scissors. Scissor. Oh, for goodness sake. Okay, and again. <laughs> One, two, three, scissors. Scissors. Paper. Yes, there we go. That I, I, was. I wanted two because I had loads of second <laughs> That was a disaster. I'm going to kick us off. Uh, my first pick in my championship team is Calvin Phillips. 
George has hit himself on the head there. Disaster. Which makes me think that, like me, you had Calvin Phillips down as something of a bedrock of your team. Um, this is, doesn't necessarily mean that I think Calvin Phillips is the best player in the championship. But when I wanted to build my squad, especially in the 4-2-3-1 formation that I'll be playing, and I'll give that away, it struck me that Calvin <laughs> Phillips has the perfect blend of basically everything that I want from a midfielder. Um, you know, I was trying to work out a combo that would give me uh, maybe one destroyer and one passer. And actually, Phillips kind of does both. So I am thrilled to announce that my first pick is Calvin Phillips of Leeds United, which means George now has two picks to come. Yeah, I'm going to pick two players who not only are they both fantastic, uh, but I think, I mean, I just basically love to see them playing in the same side together. It's, it's two attacking players. Ooh. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, and I can't say what position they're gonna play in because they're gonna be swapping the whole time. Uh, it's gonna be Pablo Hernandez and Abere Eze. Wow, I knew, I knew Eze would be one, but I am, I'm surprised you picked Pablo. Because my, my only issue with Pablo is I think he's best basically coming off, um, coming off from out wide, and I think with Eze, he's a player who's so good at dropping into those wide spaces as well. And just the idea of those two being able to play in the same same side, Pablo starting out wide, Eze starting in the hole, but being able to take up. Now imagine that interplay that they'd have between them. So intelligent, two just intelligent players and um, two players crucially at this time. So I agree about Phillips. I think at this stage, you need to look for guys who possess talents that very few other players have. And they're certainly two of those. There's a very early, a very early elephant in the room already. And I'm not going to say what it is yet, but I wonder if anyone is thinking it. There's a very early elephant in the room and it's going to continue. It's going to remain in the room after my two selections because certainly with the formation that I'm playing, the three behind the front man are absolutely crucial. And that is also, I think, where there's a very strong pool of talent. So I'm going to select Matthias Pereira. Matthias Pereira of West Bromwich Album, I think... I think as the season finished, or as it was postponed, I could have still made a pretty strong case for Pereira being the player of the season in the championship. And my second pick is going to be Saeed Benrahma. Saeed Benrahma. So, so far, I've got Calvin Phillips playing central midfield. Holding role, if you will. I haven't decided who I'll pair him up with yet. And in front of him with Benrahma starting out left and Pereira maybe playing 10 or maybe playing out right. Haven't decided yet. <laughs> uh, Pereira and Benrahma. I am super excited to be managing a team with those three players in. Who are your third and fourth picks, George? I need a bit of time here. That's absolutely fine. Um, I, I'm interested to know... I'm going well, no, to go for... I was just trying to buy you some time there. <laughs> because... I mean, this wasn't the plan initially. I've scuffed your plan already with that with that dramatic rock paper scissors win. <laughs> well, because I'm just looking at certain positions, and I'm ha I'm happy to take a few players in each. And I think, crucially, because we're building a team that needs to work as an eleven, mm -hmm. those partnerships are so important. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe out two centre backs in one swoop. Wow, amazing scenes. Okay. And there's no there's no rule here as to how many players like that from from a certain team. Absolutely not. You could you could pretend to be your favourite manager Marcelo Bielsa and pick a whole team of Leeds players if you really wanted. 
Yeah, I'm going to take Cooper and White then. <laughs> I think, even though I think there are, there are probably three or four centre-backs who I rate higher than than Cooper, I think just having two players who are so solid at the back together, who can, I mean, I'm going to want to play a certain way and, and, and they are both adept with the ball at their feet, certainly the Loney from Brighton. So Cooper and White at centre-back. Okay, so it's quite fun doing this and not giving ourselves any time to sort of pause necessarily because the, tac- the, the tactical aspect of it is obviously fairly crucial as well. And I am thinking out loud and thinking to myself, I'm quite gutted that you've taken those two, especially White. <laughs> White, would, White would have been uh, a good option for me. And certainly if you'd picked White but left another centre-back spot free, maybe I would have gone with Cooper. He's actually fourth on my list of centre-backs, but he is such a good leader as well. But the good thing is, unless you are thinking of playing three centre-backs, which I don't imagine you are. It's not part of your managerial philosophy as far as I know. <laughs> I, can now, I can now leave the centre-backs until the end, uh, which means I can go ahead with my next two picks. And as I said earlier, I think that Phillips, the crucial, crucial part of him being picked first for me in a way that I don't actually believe any other player in the division can do that mixture of of steel and passing range as well. You've got players like, actually, I'm not going to say who else there are in case they give you ideas, but you've got a few other players who are, who, who are, de- who are good at both, but not quite to the level of Phillips. So what that means is I think I can pair him with uh, a, another passer, basically. I think I'm almost, I, I've got all the steel that I need with Phillips. I'm going to pair him with another passer, and I'm going to pair him with West Brom's Romain Sawyers. So West Brom's Romain Sawyers goes into my double pivot. He will be... You, you voted Romain. I voted Romain, exactly. He will be uh, very comfortable um, receiving the ball from Phillips and firing it into the feet of Ben Rama and of Matias Pereira, a more accurate passer uh, you couldn't wish to find. The elephant in the room, George, is still there. The elephant in the room is still there. Is it still there after my next pick? No, it's not still there after my next pick. <laughs> I've got my fifth pick, and it's a striker. The elephant in the room for me was that there's only two, really. There's only yeah. two. And I'm happy to let you. I'll, I'll take either. I, so. <laughs> yeah, and I think I would have been happy to take either too. So maybe I'm regretting even even taking this. But I actually had a note saying, if he picks one early, you can delay but I've, I've bottled it. This And this will happen in the midst of a draft. I'm going to pick Ollie Watkins as my striker. Ollie Watkins is my striker. I'm, I'm interested, and from the look of your face, you might have had him down just maybe a touch over Mitro as well. So obviously we're thinking on similar wavelengths here. I had Mitro ahead, but there was a wide left player who I thought I could bring in if I got the opportunity to do him and Watkins at the same time. But that scuppered. is scuppered. So what I'm going to do, I'm a bit worried about the lack of pace in my team, but I think I'm just going to go with it and just keep picking ballers. <laughs> and I'm going to go for another duo who... Yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Kearney and Mitro. Oh, Kearney and Mitro. Two players who this season may not have clicked as it has in the past. But I'm thinking that three of Pablo, Eze and Kearney behind Mitrovic is going to fire some serious bullets. So your so your plans for Kearney 
off the bat are to play a bit higher up the pitch, perhaps. A bit higher up the pitch, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, exactly. If I had, I mean, ideally, I'd like him to play left, left-hand left side of a three. Mm-hmm. But I think, especially this season, we've seen him maybe be a little bit lazy in possession and maybe he needed to get, you know, under Slav, he got into the final third so much more than he does now. And that was the best we've seen of him. So, as I say, I'm a little bit gutted by my lack of pace. But when you've got Mitro leading the line as he is, then, uh, you know, it's not too shabby. I'm really, really really torn over my right winger over my right winger but i but i do think it's worth making the selection before you, you got, get the chance okay what were you going to say i've got i know i've got two but i haven't no, no, nothing nothing i was going to say anything i haven't got well now i'm wondering what what you were going to say i no. i haven't got any defenders or goalkeeper yet but i'm going to finish my <laughs> i'm going to finish my front six I feel like that's a football manager equivalent of going into a summer with two really good strikers and no centre-backs and suddenly realising that it's mid-July and you've bought two more strikers and no defenders. My theory, and it's, and it's one I'm, I'm very happy to share with you, and it's one that I'm going to discuss at length probably at a later date, is that I think the, um, the full-back positions, right-back and left-back, are probably the weakest in terms of depth um, and in terms of actual proper standout top, top, top quality. So I'm not, I, I was just happy to leave them towards the end because I've got a couple of really solid sort of eight out of 10 options um, at the back there. And you took two centre-backs already. So I'm kind of, I don't really have to, to, to go for that. Just you can yet. chill. Yeah, fair enough. So I'm going to take my right winger. And given that I've got a lot of quality on the ball in Ben Rama and Pereira and behind them Sawyers and Phillips, what I really want, because ah, you're going to have a great team here, let's be honest. This is going to be a game where... I don't think either team's going to be dominating the ball and transition is going to be absolutely crucial. Transition counterattacks when you've bombed on are going to be crucial. And I think with ball carriers, Ben Rama and Pereira, we're in a great position. And if we can give ourselves a runner, if we can give ourselves road runner himself down the right-hand side, we are going to be able to exploit <laughs> some space. The road runner is, of course, great friend of the pod, Jed Wallace. Jed Gently. Wallace is playing right wing for this team he has a a few responsibilities he'll be tracking whoever your left back is I don't think you've picked one yet but I'm sure that it'll be someone who is going to be a threat going forward because you've got Mitra up front and you're going to need some good delivery from out wide but on the counter he is going to be going beep beep and then he's going to be absolutely (laughs) charging up the pitch and there's plenty of people to find him and he'll be feeding Watkins or going himself so Jeb Wallace is on the right uh, I've got another pick. I've got a back four to pick and a goalkeeper. Um, I'm going to pick... Uh, mm, oh, my God. Can I, <laughs> shall I, do I really want to continue the Leeds theme of defenders? I suppose I do. I'm going to pick Pontus. Um, I've had so a, I, I, I had Pontus over, over Cooper. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy I, I who... There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to discuss about Janssen's time with Leeds, how it ended... Um, how good he actually was, the fact that White has come in and they've got better defensively. But he's also gone into Brentford and they've become the joint best defensive team in the league, having been nowhere near that. There's a few reasons for that. Norgard in, in front of the defence and Pinnock as well has been very good when he's played. But I, I do, I sort of go back and forth on Janssen because there are parts of his character that I don't love and that I think are not necessarily that great for, for team spirit at times. Um, but I do think he's a pretty magnificent defender on his day. And maybe we need big characters in a game like this. So Pontus Janssen's my first centre-back. Uh, now for your next two picks. Yeah, this is tough now. 
think now that I've got Mitchell up top, I have to take Joe Bryan at left back, who's my second choice. Um, really? Oh, wow. There was another left back who I wanted. I think yeah, I think um, that'll be my pick. I think a more defensively sturdy left back, perhaps. No. no? Um, but the Mitrovic Brian combination is the highest goal scorer to assist in the championship this season so far, with six. No surprise there, given Brian's delivery. Um, and I think it's fair to say that without the attacking prowess of, uh, of of that link-up play between Brian and uh, and Kearney with Mitrovic in the middle to, to finish it off for them wouldn't be anywhere near as close to the top of the table as they are. So Very true. Joe Bryan is my left back. Jed, Jed has got plenty of defensive responsibility, as I, as I mentioned. Yeah, he's also going to have a lot of room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, my, my right back is going to be Luke Hayling. Nice. It has to be Luke Hayling. It has to be Marcelo Bielsa's Luke Hayling. I need to keep that man fit and able to get down that flank in a way that he couldn't do a couple of years ago. But I think just in his current guise, and again, because he'll be playing alongside players that he knows so well inside him, um, it has to be him over um, my second choice. Yeah, Interesting. So Luke Hayling plays right back. I've got four Leeds players. Fair enough, best team in the league. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to come in for so much. I'm going to have to say a couple of West Brom players that you took from me as well. Otherwise, I'm going to get grief. <laughs> Nothing new there. Nothing new there. Um, we actually had someone who tweeted us over the weekend because on the live stream, we asked people to let us know when they'd first started listening to the pod. And I think he said it was the start of last season. And he said, therefore, he's been through a bit of a roller coaster uh, with George and his views on Leeds. So I think there was a point last season where the Leeds fans considered us to be very anti-Leeds uh, at yeah. some stage. Well, I tipped I tip them to get relegated on the pre-season pod. So. <laughs> That'll be why then. I'd forgotten about that. Um, okay, well, I've got uh, the rest of a back four to fill in and a goalkeeper too. Uh, I don't need to pick fullbacks yet because you've just done that. So, I mean, it may be that my, my goalkeeper selection is not going to be your goalkeeper selection but we spoke about him the other day ever since we spoke about him the other day I have really come to think of this guy as my current number one goalkeeper in the championship we know I used to be a big fan of Darren Randolph sadly departed in January although I think his skills were somewhat on the wane perhaps um, Rafael Cabral Rafael Cabral of Reading um, whether this is whether this reflects well on me as a as an analyst as a uh, or not I mean learning a bit more about his background realizing that he's you know, the youngest ever starting keeper in a Copa Libertadores final. Uh, three caps for Brazil, best mates with Neymar and Ganso and all those guys. Uh, it's kind of ma- And also being at Napoli for, for a fair few years and not being too far off the first team, but not being able to get in front of Pepe Reina. The fact that he's playing for Reading it sort of became a bit more remarkable for me. So um, having a, a watch of some of his highlight reels uh, saves from this season has made me think that Rafael is my current favourite goalkeeper in the Championship, so I'm glad to have him in nets. Um, now, uh, I haven't got to think tactically now because you've got your back four sorted. I'm going to pick Michael Hector to play alongside Janssen. Uh, it was quite interesting sort of when I was going through and building my pool of players to choose from. One of the obvious ways of doing so was to go on who scored, filter by position and look at those who have played sort of the most minutes to, to remind yourself uh, of, the, of the sort of genuine starters and those who are kind of indispensable to their team. And 
doing that did mean that I missed out on a couple of uh, January editions. So I was I was clever, I thought, to go <laughs> onto the transfer mark page and remind myself anyone who joined in Jan that I think is worth in this team. Uh, and I think Hector's impact, his uh, his confidence that he brings to a back four, uh, good on the ball. He's big old big old boy. He'll win a lot of duels. Uh, him and Janssen against Mitrovic is going to be a titanic battle. Uh, so he has my next pick. I've got two left. Have you got two left as well? I've got three left. Three left. I haven't got a centre midfield yet. <laughs> <clears throat> and That's an issue. Well, I, I basically spent the longest time during preparing this just to find a player who isn't as good as Calvin Phillips, but who can do that role. You know, if, if you, which is very, I mean, no one can do it as well as him, but just if you've got the radar and you, and you put it over the top of the other one, who would become the closest? Mm. And I kind of knew that I could obviously wait till the end, but unless you pick my keeper for your out, outfield, you're on, I better get it done just in case you, you spring a surprise. Um, so Marlon Pack is going to be sitting at the base wow. of my midfield. That's, um, the, that, that's the headline, I think. That's the big surprise pick of the, of the whole I day. Think there's like a few reasons for this. I mean, he's a player that I've basically rated for a long time anyway, and I think he's currently playing for a side who maybe under Harris is a little bit more fitting, but... He is a, a, a ball-playing defensive midfielder. He's got an unbelievably good ping on him, like Phillips. He's also very defensively sound. He's happy to do the dirty work. And he's someone who, I think, playing in the right team, playing in, in a team more fitting to, to just him being the person who breaks up play and sets the ball, sets play going again, he would you know, be, see, be seen in much higher regard. Yeah, I'm not saying he's the best or even in one of the top five or six centre midfielders in the championship, but just for what I need... Because when I tell you who's my who's going to be playing alongside him, and I'm, and slowly this is shifting into more of a four-three-three here, because I don't <laughs> think I can have those two those two sitting. I think Kearney's going to have to slot into the left of uh, of Pack, and Ovi Ajaria is going to be playing on the right hand side of Pack. Nice um, uh, Ajaria over Swift. That's an interesting call. Yeah, that was the conundrum, and Ajaria wasn't even kind of on my sheet here. But just looking, he's gone rogue. The... He's got there's in the US sports. There's a lot of examples of people going rogue <laughs> on the night and just picking players that they weren't planning on picking. And let me tell you, George, it doesn't normally go well. But the, the reason I had Swift down was because I was pretty pretty intent initially to play with a kind of a sitting two, for which he'd be quite clearly much more. Yeah. It's a role that would fit him better. I think um, you, I think a, a ball carrier through the middle, which Kearney is too slow for, is exactly. probably no bad thing. Exactly, and and also there's my you know which I've said before in the podcast. You do feel like Ajaria is someone whose uh, ceiling has certainly not been hit yet, and he's somebody who we could easily be talking about in the year. What I've just realised, you've got Ovi and Abere in the same team. I know, and I am <laughs> <laughs> cold sweats, genuine cold sweats. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, he's someone. I mean, I think with Swift, we know how good he is. We know his his limits probably as well. Whereas for the Jari, we have someone who could really light it up playing in a better team, and, and this certainly is that. I'd like to just say um, because I just love I just love everything about this, and I love the decisions that have to be made under pressure as well. Listener, know that we haven't been pausing at all to give ourselves more t- more time. We've been very much doing this uh, as is, and. I'm interested that Pack was your choice, especially based on what you said. It strikes me that if you were to if you were to say it was either Pack or Ben Pearson, potentially would have been quite an interesting one. Maybe even Matt Grimes, although he's got a little left. No, bite, I had I had Grimes down. You need that physicality. What, you need someone. Does Pearson who's, not? Does Pearson not give you that? But I think that's more in terms of I, I reckon positional discipline is what I'm looking for here, okay. rather than um, kind of hectic running. I'm just, um, I'm just worried he might be lacking the mobility to keep up with some of my 
some of my swift little attacking midfield players. Um, regardless, I will finish my team off with my fullbacks. And, you know, there's I, I love it whenever there's a, a team of the week done put out by the EFL. And you're on a hiding to nothing as soon as you do that because there's always people who want their players to be in there. It's hard to, you know, it, it's, it's hard to... Well, often you see them more or less just put people who scored a goal in there. That sometimes doesn't seem ideal. There are people who just want the headline makers in there. There are deeper thinkers, perhaps, maybe like ourselves, who want to see a team that would work on paper, etc., etc. You're on a bit of a hiding to nothing doing that sort of thing. But for this example, especially as I, I think I am going to give this game a go on Football Manager if I can work out how to do that draft thing, <laughs> if it's not too time-consuming, I need a really solid defensive unit I know that Phillips is going to do a lot of work in front of the back four I love my centre-backs in order to cope with Mitrovic but I've got so much going forward that I don't need my full-backs to be bombing on I don't really need them to be overlapping and, and crossing from the byline I don't need too much from them in the final third so I'm prioritizing defensive solidity I think I probably would have quite liked Ailing just because I, I just I, I think he's a bit of a force of nature down the right side for Leeds um, but I'm going to pick a second Reading player and that means there's three Reading players in the 22, which is very interesting indeed. Mm. But I think, um, based on just knowing that I'm going to get an, a sort of 7, 8 out of 10 performance, there's, there's, there's great consistency in, his, in the defensive side of his game as a fullback. He's also very good going forward. I just don't need him to be particularly good going forward in this instance. It's Andy Yeardom of Reading. Potentially a bit of a surprise pick. Uh, I just think he's incredibly dependable. And I want him to be the right back in my team. On the other side, if Yeardom's missing a bit of height, maybe, and a bit of physicality, I don't think that's a huge concern uh, against the players that you've got down your left side. But I'm just going to make sure that from set pieces, both defensive and offensive, I've got an extra threat. And it's in the form of Birmingham's Christian Pedersen, the big Dane. He <laughs> is just a, he's just a beast. And he's a quality, quality player. He's the sort of player, George, I think that... If he were playing in a, in a better team, you know, if he'd gone to someone in the top 10, let's say a Forest or something else rather than Birmingham, I think we'd be, we'd be talking about him more often on the pod. I think we'd be pointing out his skills more often. Um, I think he's just, he's, he's just perfect. You know, he's by no means a flying fullback or anything, but just a really good, solid uh, defensive player. So Christian Pedersen is my left back. So I've got my full team, which I will uh, present to you once you finish yours off. I can't even work out what position you're missing. Just a keeper. Oh, and yeah. My my uh, thinking here is that you know most of the championship keepers are pretty much much for much. So <laughs> yeah. it didn't really matter too much who I got. But the, the one I put at the top mainly because of the the way I want to play, passing out from the back. Um, a, a keeper who was brought in to do just that in the summer, and it's David Rea, um, who's had a brilliant start to life at Griffin Park. Um, he's been. You know, he was always a solid shot stopper at Blackburn, but certainly taking his game to a new level um, this season. And uh, you can always rest pretty assured that if Brentford are investing in someone, especially in that kind of position, then then it's it's supported in uh, in, the, in the number behind them, the numbers behind them as well. So it'll be rare between the sticks for me. Oh, he's going to be so nervous on those set pieces. We've seen him drop them before. We've seen him flapping. Um, David Ryer in goal for your team. So um, just before we run through them, this is so exciting. You're going to be playing uh, a, a sort of 4-3-3 of sorts. Um, and it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a very fluid 4-3-3 slash 4-2-3-1, I think. <laughs> of course. I, I would say mine is slightly less fluid because there are certain players who I want to 
to sort of maintain a, a fairly strict structure uh, out of possession. Uh, and I don't need the fullbacks to be offering too much fluidity uh, in the final third, that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to be leaning fairly heavily on the individual brilliance of certainly of Ben Rama and Pereira when we're in sort of slower possession on Jed Wallace in, in transition and on those midfield two, Sawyers and, and Phillips in, in uh, finding them. Watkins up top. There's a really good debate to be had about Watkins versus Mitrovic in terms of this season, in terms of who should be in the actual team of the season. It's a debate that we are actually going to be having very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. But here's my team in a 4-2-3-1 uh, formation. Rafael Cabral in goal, uh, Andy Yeardom right back, a centre-back pairing of Pontus Janssen and Michael Hector, and the left-back Christian Pedersen. Uh, a double pivot in midfield is Calvin Phillips and Romain Sawyers. Got a few different captain options, I've just realised here. I'll probably go with Phillips, given that he was my first pick. Um, a, a, a three of Jed Wallace down the right, scampering away. Matias Pereira finding little pockets of space. Uh, and Saeed Benrahma, the X-Factor, on the left-hand side. Up top is Ollie Watkins, and that is my Championship Draft 11. Yeah, for me, we've got David Raya in goal. Uh, three Leeds players in the back four. Wow. <laughs> uh, Luke Ayling, uh, Jake Cooper, Ben White, and Joe Bryan from Fulham on the left-hand side of the defence. We're going to start off as a 4-3-3, but I'll be looking where possible to get uh, a certain player more central. But on the right-hand side of the three, of the Azaria, uh, sitting deepest Marlon Pack, the surprise package uh, of this of this podcast. And on the left uh, is Tom Kearney, uh, starting out wide right, but obviously coming inside, as he loves to do, is Pablo Hernandez, Barry Eze doing the same on the left. I mean, I am liking those two as kind of inverted wingers with Ailing yeah. and Brian overlapping is quite sexy. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm just I'm holding my hands up right now. I'm going to be giving you the ball for the most part here. I'm get, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I've got to accept that for, let's say, probably 58, 59, 60% possession is going to be Team Alec. And that is absolutely fine by me. Uh, who's who's going to, yeah, Watkins against that high line can be an issue. Uh, and then Micho is the man up top. I'm so excited about this. I'm, I mean, that is, I mean, I, I want to play a certain way. I'm always, always ball players, always playing out from the back. Raya, Giving it to giving it to White from from kickoffs, looking wide, back inside, <laughs> telling Marlon that you know don't use that right peg too much. I don't want too many balls over the top, only when it's really necessary. But look to give it in to Ajay, look to give it in to Eze coming inside, look for the overlaps into Nicho, bang. Very interesting stuff. Marlon Pack is very short odds to be the first man booked in this game, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. Matthias Pereira and Ben Rama coming in off the left are going to be told to run straight at Marlon Pack for the first 10 minutes of this game. Um, well, I, did you enjoy that one? I feel like this was something that I really pushed on you. And there were times where I thought maybe he's not that keen on it. But hopefully you see the uh, no, I liked the, it. The enjoyment I liked factor. It. I was I was just sad to lose that initial rock paper scissor because <laughs> I want I want I want to Calvin. But oh well. Well, look, um, we've got uh, obviously a truncated week this week. We have got uh, other things work-wise that we're doing, so it's going to be quite a busy week. Uh, and next Monday, we've said that we are going to be doing a more serious pod. Certainly, trying to get hold of some experts, some people to. Um, give us a bit of inside info on uh, the, the current situation with the coronavirus, the future of the EFL and its clubs. So it will be a slightly more serious vibe. At some point as well, George, 
we will find a time to do our League One and League Two draft teams as well. Um, I'm going to look into ways of, of sort of setting up this match so that we can watch it play out uh, without too much input from us and see what Football Manager thinks. But uh, it's been great fun to do. And uh, George, thank you very much for uh, just giving me a bit of your time so that we could play this out because it's gone exactly as I wanted it to. Always, mate. Always happy to. Uh, tweet us at NTT20pod. We want to hear from you. Whose team do you think is the best team? Who has had the better draft and why, crucially? Um, this is something that I would recommend doing with your mates because it's great fun. I'm sure there's a way where we could set up some slightly bigger uh, FM draft game. There's lots of ideas that come off the back of this. How many of them will be executed is hard to say, but uh, hopefully my team will be executing on the counter-attack uh, to get the win against George's team. But make sure you, you drop a vote. We'll do a poll on Twitter asking you who you think's come out the better uh, of, 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 of the draftees. Um, we've been Ali and George from Not The Top 20 podcast. We're really grateful, as always, guys, um, for you tuning in and listening, uh, especially during these slightly uh, tough times. And I just want to end the podcast with, I suppose it's it's something of an appeal and it's very much in the knowledge that this is quite a difficult time for a lot of people, especially in terms of cash flow. George and I are certainly uh, not exempt from that with uh, uh, quite large parts of our freelance work having been uh, cancelled along, along with the live football, of course. So um, this is just uh, a message from me, I suppose, to anyone who's, who's still tuned in. I tweeted about it over the weekend. You might have seen this. Um, it's something that I haven't spoken about on the podcast before, and there's... Uh, a wider story to be told I think it's fair to say and one that hopefully one day uh, I will tell but um, essentially there is a a charity called Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust Uh, it's 20 years old and it is considered by me and my family to be something of a family charity Um, but in fact it is a national charity that helps so many people not just women with cervical cancer, but anyone affected by the disease, by uh, cervical cancer. And the reason we think it's a family charity is because it it did start that way. Uh, It was set up by my dad in 2000, uh, after my mum passed away uh, in 1999, when I was just about six and a half years old. And she sadly lost her life to cervical cancer. And at that time, in the late 90s, it was what she described as a very unpopular cancer. It was something that people didn't know very much about. Um, There wasn't much information available. Of course, the internet was still in its infancy and information just wasn't as as forthcoming uh, about it. So Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust was set up uh, in 2000 by my dad uh, in order to make sure that no one felt uh, the same way that my mother felt while she was suffering uh, from cervical cancer. 20 years on, It has developed into the most incredible charity, which has so many people in its network, people that it has helped, people who have helped the charity immensely. And it provides amazing support to, as I said, both women and their families who have suffered from cervical cancer. It spreads all important awareness about cervical cancer um, because it is something that a lot of people don't know a huge amount uh, about. And the problem at the moment, not just for Joe's, but for many other charities, is that due to a lot of fundraising events being cancelled, a lot of their funding has been massively cut. Huge amounts of revenue, which helped the charity to continue, uh, have been cut. And that means they are are facing something of a funding crisis. As you can imagine, a charity like this raises 
so much money uh, through marathons and overseas challenge events and even cycle rides and walks and all that sort of thing. So uh, the charity is, is anticipating, like so many others that, that I'm sure uh, are in a similar situation, a huge drop in funds. So um, we are mobilizing, as you can imagine, both as, as a family, me and my siblings, but also everyone uh, linked with the charity, everyone within its network. And we are calling on the generosity of people to donate, to try to um, make up the gap which has you know this lack of funding which really couldn't have been predicted as you can imagine um and if you head to my twitter page ali maxwell underscore you'll see a link to an article which explains things further i'm not going to go into any more detail here because um if if you're interested in donating if you'd be interested in in helping uh, that would be an amazing thing and even if it's just to share the link to the donation page that would be massively appreciated and even if uh, a, a very small donation was all that you could uh, stretch to that would also be hugely worthwhile for us and massively appreciated too there's no such thing as a as a small donation in this instance i've been blown away the last few days uh, at how many people have shared my message already, have uh, donated themselves. So many listeners have not the top 20. So to all of you guys, uh, many of whom have messaged me and who I've been able to thank, uh, but also people who may have donated and kept it to themselves, thank you so much, really from the bottom of my heart, because this is a, uh, a, it's a really important thing for me. It's a really important thing for my family. And uh, at the moment, it is quite concerning and it is... Uh, making us a little bit worried to think that 20 years of hard work uh, and essentially my mother's legacy could be at risk because of um, something that really couldn't have been planned for. Quite aside from any thoughts of, of legacy or, or any personal family thoughts, uh, it's also hugely important for thousands of women, thousands of family members who are currently going through uh, an, a battle with cervical cancer, anyone really who is affected by it, has been affected by it, or is just uh, trying to learn more about it, these people are in maybe greater need than ever of, of information, of someone to talk to, uh, of support and of advice. And, and that is exactly what Joe's Trust provides. Please do head to my Twitter page, Ali Maxwell underscore, for details on how to uh, how to help, how to donate if you'd like to donate, or even just to share that tweet. That would be hugely appreciated. And thank you so much for listening to this uh, extended ending of the Not the Top Twenty podcast. So can't wait to talk to you again later on this week on the Going Up Going Down pod, and towards the weekend, of course, with the weekend quiz as well. Thank you so much for listening.